Jesus was not the first teacher to use parables, but he was the best. His parables were unique in their power and their perfection, their ability to get truth into the heads of willing listeners. What he spoke in parables has the capacity to reach us and convict us and change us and keep us on the right course if we have what he called the good and honest heart. So here we are. Jesus said this one time, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls, who when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Before you do anything else with this parable, it will be good to think about what the kingdom is. Let's talk about that a minute. In the time of Christ and also today, there is great misunderstanding about what the kingdom is Jesus spoke of. Start with this simple thing. The kingdom is people. The kingdom is people who have been forgiven by Christ and who now live under his authority. He is the king. Three passages in a very direct way lead to this conclusion. John 3, Jesus said people are born into the kingdom through a new birth being born of water in the spirit. Colossians 1.13, Paul said the people who had obeyed the gospel, had been transferred into the kingdom. Matthew 16, 18 through 19, when Jesus said he would build his church, he called it the kingdom. Every passage in the New Testament after that promise that we depend upon to define the kingdom informs us of people who are citizens. There is today the kingdom of Christ, the church. It is composed of those who have been forgiven by the king and who live daily under the authority of the king, Jesus Christ. Think of the kingdom of Christ as the people of Christ. The people of Christ are also described as a household. And Hebrews 3 and verse 6 says to Christians, whose house we are, if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm to the end. So let's look back at the passage I started with. Matthew 13, 45 and 46. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls, who when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Jesus wants us to understand the true value of being a citizen in the kingdom. The priority we should see in being citizens of his kingdom. And these parables in Matthew 13 fulfill that purpose of informing us about the true nature and value of his kingdom. This approach I'm going to use to study this with you is not the only way to study this, but I believe it is an appropriate way 
to bring the teaching of the parable into our minds for application in our lives. My acknowledgement to David McClister for some of these points I'm going to make. I want to concentrate on the merchant. What can we learn about the kingdom by considering what is taught, what is implied about this man, the merchant in this story? Number one, the merchant did not seek an artificial pearl. An artificial pearl is an imitation of the real thing. Do you know what the word artificial means? The dictionary says, made by humans. And it says, made in imitation of something that is real. You know, to the untrained eye, if you look at two pearls and only one is real, it is very likely you cannot see the difference. The artificial is made to look like the real, to feel like the real, to duplicate the qualities inherent in the genuine. The merchant was after the real thing. So many people today in their feeble attempts towards some kind of religious involvement are satisfied with what isn't real. The artificial, the imitation, something made by man rather than something made and given by God. There are the religious offerings and products of men which may have some appearance of being genuine, but really have been created from the minds of men instead of the Word of God. A friend of mine years ago would use the expression, Home Depot religion. You try to do it yourself. You go buy the parts as cheaply as you can, then you try to get through the project on your own, making several trips back and forth, a lot of trial and error. That's the approach many take to religion. They simply want to get by as cheaply as they can, and they want something they made instead of what Christ died for us to have. There is only one way to ensure that your choices will be right. Use the Word of God to separate the genuine from the artificial. I mean, just do what the Bible says, and you can be sure the Word of God is genuine, and when you accept it and apply it, what you have in your life is real. It's from God. Number two, the merchant was not looking for an average pearl, just something to get by. There is a passionate reaching for excellence that many people simply do not conceive. doesn't occur to them. They're satisfied with whatever will just get by. They may not seek out the worst, but there is not sufficient motivation to have the best to strive for, and to enjoy excellence. I get no idea from Matthew 13, 45, and 46 that this merchant suffered from this satisfaction with the mediocre, that he simply wanted to find some average-looking gem. Jesus said, seeking beautiful pearls. To be satisfied with the average, with the mediocre, is a symptom of laziness. 
and it shows a lack of care, an absence of taking the endeavor seriously. You've heard the expression, you get what you pay for. You cannot wear clothes from Saks Fifth Avenue on a Walmart budget. What you receive is directly related to what you invest. If you are satisfied with just being an average Christian, you will never excel and reach the depths of faith and strength that God intends for you to have. If in the local church we develop over time an attitude that is satisfied with the least effort, growth potentials will never be seen. The merchant commended by Jesus, was not looking for an average pearl. Number three, the merchant apparently did not believe one pearl is as good as another. In religion today, one of the most popular concepts is one church is as good as another. Now, this immediately conveys the idea that it doesn't matter. One church is as good as another. You can hear that in the tone of the way that is said, and it immediately conveys the idea that it really doesn't matter. Indeed, some will say, it really doesn't matter what you believe. It doesn't matter what church you go to, the name, the teaching, the organization, how the funds are raised and how they're used. No big deal. Who cares? Why make a fuss? One church is good as another. If you've seen one pearl, you've seen them all. (laughs) This wise merchant didn't have that idea about pearls. He was on a quest for a single beautiful pearl. He had his heart set on the genuine, the best. We need to say that there is one pure, undefiled religion of Jesus Christ, because that's what it says in James 1.27. We need to be able to stand up and say there is one gospel, because that's what it says in Galatians 1, verses 6 through 12. We need to say things like there is one body, because that's what it says in Ephesians 4, verse 4. In fact, listen to the context. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. We need to be able to say all that. One is not as good as the other. This idea that one church is just as good as another fails to recognize truth and discernment and discipline. Then I want to say the merchant was not just in the business of observation and admiration. Some people become students of religion, but not participants. It is possible to learn about many varieties of religion in the world, but never make any movement toward God. It is possible to read the Bible and learn the flow of events and become acquainted with the people and even the principles, but never know 
Jesus Christ. And in this process of uninvolvement, one can form the habit of watching, observing, even admiring, but never responding, never practicing, never being convicted of sin and obeying the gospel and serving the Lord. Or one may become an outside critic. There's a lot of that. Without ever having any personal involvement or direct knowledge. I've told this story many times in my 50 years of preaching. There is a story told about a man who was obsessed with fishing. You'd go to his house and you'd see everything about fishing all over the place. He read books about fishing. He bought videotapes to watch people going fishing. He had pictures on the wall in his house of people out fishing Um, He could describe different kinds of bait and lures to be used with different kinds of fish, at what depth and at what time of day would be the best. He knew fishing. He was a student of fishing. He observed it. He admired it. But when people asked him to go fishing, he never accepted the invitation. He had never been fishing. He was only a student, only an observer, an admirer. It it may remind us of how some brethren are about personal evangelism. They study it and read about it. They have books about it. They teach classes about it. They go to lectureships to learn more about it. They observe it and admire it, but they never get around to doing it. The merchant in this parable was not just in the business of observation and admiration. He knew what was good, and he sought it actively with all his heart. When he found it, he sold all that he had and bought it. The merchant was alert and discerning and diligent, a serious seeker. I don't know what his friends and family thought about his interest, but I know there's no evidence that what anybody else thought hindered him in his pursuit of what he knew was valuable. We may be tempted before we make a commitment to test the waters, to see what our family and friends think, to take a survey or poll. That approach can never lead us to the excellence and blessing God provides in Christ. This merchant illustrates what Proverbs 23, 23 says, buy the truth and sell it not. Then I want us to look back into the parable and focus now on one word, all, A-L-L. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls who, when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. To enjoy the blessings God has made available in the kingdom, what is required of us? All. Matthew twenty two thirty seven. Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Luke 14.33, so likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. 
The generous Christians in the churches of of Macedonia gave to their brethren even while undergoing their own ordeal. And Paul explains that this way. They first gave themselves to the Lord, 2 Corinthians 8 and verse 5. They gave all. The wise merchant sold all that he had to have what he needed. I heard this described one time as the cost of acquisition. Once you find what has value, the next step is acquisition. Remember, our object should be not just education or admiration, but personal acquisition. The pearl, once discovered, is not yet owned. You may see the value of something but fail to buy it. You may realize you need some gift but not receive it. The merchant wanted what he found bad enough to pay the price, even though the price was all he had. And for us to have what Christ died for us to have, that we need more than anything else, we must give ourselves to the Lord completely, all What priority do you assign to the blessings of being a citizen in the kingdom? Are you satisfied with something that is man-made? Are you looking for what is convenient, what is true? In your thinking and choices about God and eternity, are you using the Word of God to determine the counterfeits and distinguish those from the genuine? Listen again. The kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls, who, when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Finally, I want to ask you, based on the New Testament records, who did this? About 3,000 on the day of Pentecost, a man from Ethiopia Saul of Tarsus, Cornelius, Lydia, and the jailer in Philippi, people in Ephesus, Corinth, Rome, and Macedonia, Jews and Gentiles, and since then, people all over the world. But eventually, the question is, have I found it? Have you found it? And have we acted by faith to receive what God wants us to have, citizenship in the kingdom? What does it mean to you? It is surely worth it all. Thank you for listening.